it's actually more helpful just to talk to the experts themselves because the the people who do it day to day know a lot of things. And even if they just impart with me their five minutes of wisdom, it would save me like four hours or a day or a week of me trying to figure it out. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast. We are in Santa Monica at the beautiful Beach House Cowork. I love our sound studio and it is so exciting that this week we get to celebrate the amazing women in tech of Los Angeles. And today I have Linda with me. Hi, Linda. Hi. Okay, so I have to start off this conversation with one very specific question. Now, we're not going to tell everybody what your email is unless you want to later on. But why Hotmail? Data scientist and Hotmail? Oh, well, actually, <laughs> I gave my not company email. So I could give you my company email. <laughs> but actually, I use <laughs> maybe you don't want to broadcast this, but I use my Hotmail for my spam email. <laughs> but that, that doesn't mean your emails go to spam. <laughs> it shouldn't break anyone's heart. You guys, I got the spam email. What does that say? <laughs> I, I can give you my real, my other email. I have so many emails. so <laughs> It makes sense. It makes sense. I, ha- I have an obscure Gmail email that is just for the newsletter signups too. I get it. But I was like, how is this girl an awesome data scientist and still with a Hotmail email address? I don't understand. It does not compute. <laughs> well, just to be clear, I'm not a data scientist, um, but my partner is. Let's so get into your company. To. So go ahead and formally introduce yourself to everyone and tell us about your company. Okay. I'm Linda Tran uh, and my partner, Kyle Polich, is a data scientist. So he kind of started this company data skeptic. And basically, it's a data science consulting on one hand, but also it's not in competition with you, but it's also a podcast. It started four years ago as a podcast. That's awesome. then, it doesn't feel like there's tons of podcasts. I love it. <laughs> Tell us about your podcast. Um, so the podcast actually has two different formats. One is kind of more speaking to more basic um, data science, which is mainly stats principles and introduces you to basic topics. And the other one is actually interviewing experts and is a little bit more academic. So it toggles between the two formats every week. So whether you're kind of an intro or you're trying to thinking about stats or data science, you can listen to the easier ones with which I'm on. It's called the mini episodes. Or if you're you're like, oh, I have a PhD. I know what I'm talking about. You could listen to the long format ones, the interviews. And what is the name of the podcast? The podcast is Data Skeptic, the same as the company. Amazing. Amazing. So you guys check out Data Skeptic. We'll include it in the show notes as well so people could click over. So tell us, when did you and your partner come together? How did you form formulate this company? And where, where in L.A. are you guys based? So we work out of our home office. Uh, and so how did this form? My It's actually my husband. So Kyle Polich is my husband. And we met many years ago at business.com in tech as well. <laughs> and from there, he's kind of just this quirky. He has glasses. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to listen to this. But, you know, if you can think of your typical kind of like nerd, he looks kind of like that. <laughs> um, but anyways, on top of that, he loves podcasts. And it's not something I'm into, but he's listened to podcasts and he loves them so much. He speeds them up and listens to them like three or four times as fast so that he could get through as many podcasts as, as possible with his spare time. <laughs> I do that with um, more educational podcasts. Like so, just, yeah, yeah, it sounds like it's a thing that people do. But I in my head, I feel like you're totally uh, just distorting the intention. <laughs> 
Well, it, I think it depends. I think something, if it's educational or in, informational, just power through the information. So, a podcast like Sex, Death, and Money, which is one of my favorite podcasts, that's more storytelling. So I don't want to lose the art in the story. But, and I get, I get, I think it could go both ways. But yeah, a lot of people do that. So now you offer um, data science. Uh, services as well as you guys create the podcast or you just do the podcast? Yeah, it's a two-pronged kind of arm. The podcast is interesting because it's a lead generator, right? It connects us to the community. It's a community that, you know, Kyle has built up over four years. Right. And then the secondary arm, the data science consulting, has really just been full force within the last year. So we're a completely new data science consulting company. And now uh, for a couple things, what is your role within the company? So I like to say it this way, but Kyle gets to do what he's good at, which is data science um, and everything that goes along with it, which is kind of the strategy, the programming and advising and consulting. And then really he brought me on board and he was like, I want you to do everything else, (laughs) which at the time I did not know enough about running a small business. So I was like, yeah, sounds easy enough, right? Right. Everything else can't be that hard. So, but in reality, everything else is actually me learning everything else. So he gets to do what he's good at and I get to learn and do, I feel like fumbling sometimes, like learning how to do taxes and accounting and like basic small business practices. So I am. Every day is a challenge. Yeah. So I, the first year has been really, really tough for me, but I feel like I'm over the biggest hump and we're moving into taxes, year one taxes. So I'm almost done. (laughs) (laughs) And why do we need data science? Who are your core customers? Well, our customers can really be anyone. It's who needs data science. It's really someone who has a large amount of data and they either need to interpret it to take an action or, you know, they could build it into some programmatic means that can do a human task even better than a human. As in, you could evaluate large amounts of data at once and you, the data can then say, hey, out of this data, these three traits that you're filtering for stand out. And these are three customers that you should target or here are the data. You know, it really depends, number one, what does your business do and what do you, what kind of information can you get from the data that would be useful to right. you? That would either drive your decision maker making process or you can actually just build it programmatically and it could like automate it like that. That's that's kind of the field that Kyle has gone into. Originally, his background's in artificial intelligence. So what it means is you're kind of building a fake artificial. That's the definition (laughs) of artificial intelligence. You're building something and then you're letting it run on its own. And now before working with your husband on this data science company, were you interested in data science? Were you involved in the tech world? Yeah. So before uh, Data Skeptic, I was actually working at Dollar Shave Club. So I've my history in tech has gone back like many, many years. I've been in tech for as long as I can remember in L.A. Yeah. And what did you do at Dollar Shave Club? So my background's in project management. So it's really kind of unifying the business aspect with technology and also the customer experience. So I specialize specifically in working with companies that care about a customer experience and they're trying to get the customer to do something. And then you use the technology to engage the customer. And for those of you who don't know, Dollar Shave Club, I'm actually a customer, (laughs) is uh, you order um, razors and other complimentary shaving accessories. It's grooming products. Grooming products online at a really discount, like really starting at a dollar. (laughs) 
I don't know. If it's that's a few dollars. It's yeah. a few dollars. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. And they and they kind of got their launch by their comedic video. And they're so they integrate humor into their marketing. So, OK, so when did you decide to leave Dollar Shave Club and then go off on your own? Yeah. So my role at Dollar Shave Club just ended. They were bought by Unilever. Mm-hmm. Uh, then from that Unilever, there's been major changes. Um, and so part of that, my role really ended in March. So at that time, I was like, so what am I going to do next? Right. And that's kind of when I came home. And my husband was like, I'm really excited to tell you. He's like, but I have a business that I've been working on. (laughs) And no, you can help me. Yes. You said everything that you're doing with your husband is new for you. Um, I think that's really powerful to take on the challenge and go after things that are not necessarily your default. It's not what you're accustomed to. So how what do you tell yourself? In order to take some on, how do you not make it overwhelming or daunting or something like that? Like, how do you just embrace the challenge? Well, I think at first, from my background in project management, I just kind of thought that obviously I could research things online and that has helped me. But what I'm learning after year one is done is that it's actually more helpful just to talk to the experts themselves, right. at least even before I begin, because the the people who do it day to day know a lot of things. And even if they just impart with me their five minutes of wisdom, it would save me like four hours or a day or a week of me trying to figure it out. And then I figure it out on my own. Of course, now it's burned into my memory. I will never forget. Right. <laughs> and right. I could do it my own. But it did have quite a steep learning curve for certain things like, you know, like basic bookkeeping and accounting things like that that I didn't know about. And and do you feel like now you've kind of mastered them? Yeah, I mean actually just the other night I met this bookkeeping person and I was like, "Oh, I was like I'm doing bookkeeping for our business." And she was telling me like, "Oh, I can do this and this and this for you." And I was like, "That's great, but I already do that." <laughs> and I was like, "I already know how to do it." Um but the only thing is I might hire her anyways because my time might will potentially get stretched thin in the future. You have to know when to delegate. 100%. What LA tech companies or talent have you come across lately who have really impressed you? Um, you know, I don't really think of it in that realm, but I mean, for me, I, I kind of focus more on the customer experience and kind of the marketing and branding. So for me, I'm really interested in companies like, have you heard of the bouquet delivering company? Yeah. Is it, is it Bokes? Bokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they really interest me because they're kind of like Dollar Shave Club, but not. You right, know, they're yeah, kind of yeah. o- doing for flowers. For flowers, yeah. Have you ever ordered flowers? Because for me, when I ordered flowers in the past, or people ordered me flowers, yeah, they arrived and they look ugly. <laughs> yeah, I've I've had that happen, and you're you're so upset. Yeah, and it's it's not cheap either. Yeah. And so with books, um, I've received and sent some and I've never had a bad experience. That's awesome. And I think they're based in downtown L.A., right? Yeah, they're kind of where the old Helen cycle cycles used to be. I think it's like near fourth. And we'll include them in the show notes as well. And what would you say is an event in L.A. tech that is a must? A certain tech event that you have one? Gee, I don't know. I don't know if I have one event only because I feel like when I find an event the next year, it changes. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but I will say um, I'm a strong feminist and I've been kind of really dipping my toes and meeting all the kind of the female oriented tech community as I feel like that's experiencing a huge growth um, and time in its limelight right now. Yeah. 2018 is definitely the year of the woman, I feel like. Yeah, so I'm I'm all gearing up for that. Yeah. And how about um, resources in L.A.? What resources uh, would you say have been the most supportive of your success in moving your company forward? Uh, I mean, right now for the portion of business that I'm in, I'm just really learning kind of the basics of bookkeeping and accounting. So it's not necessarily LA-based resources. Those are kind of things online like right. QuickBooks. Yeah. I know that's a term that's not exciting, but right. it's a true term. Yeah. Um, so QuickBooks has been really helpful for me. I think the biggest resource has been like as I reach out to the community, yeah. I find that it's even there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been in LA over 10 years and I can honestly say a long time ago, I want to say like six years ago, yeah. people started calling LA Silicon Beach. Yeah. And I remember we would laugh, you know, we, we were all in tech, but we right. were like, it is not Silicon Beach. But, you know, I can honestly say today with the change I've seen, it is Silicon Beach. Like it is a totally different town with different money coming in and out out of tech and there's a lot of tech companies that LA can be proud of and there's a lot of interesting new and creative things that are happening out of LA that I could say for my 10 years it wasn't happening 10 years ago. No, definitely. I I remember watching it pivot pretty much. Do you remember Coloft? Yes. I feel like Coloft was the transition point to create the LA tech community. I feel like we didn't have like a home base before Coloft. Do you agree or disagree? Or was you know, it different because maybe you weren't in Santa Monica? I was just thinking because I actually heard the co-founder lady of Koloff speak. Pam Kishani. Uh, yeah, yeah, a while ago. So I remember her speaking about how she was building an L.A. community. So I think it's funny to hear you resonating her similar words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I um, essentially I feel that she single-handedly built the L.A. tech scene. From from my my perspective, where I was standing, I had a tech company in Santa Monica, and there was no tech scene. And then all of a sudden, within a year, we had people like Eric Reese or Noah Kagan or all these people flying into town to speak at Coloft. And then everybody would get together for beer and pizzas at Coloft, and it just became this thing. It was really exciting back then. If you had one ask of the community, something they could do to support you in your success, what would that ask be? Uh, I mean, this is kind of the thing that I feel that I'm finding a lot in women's group. And one of the things that I'm finding with my like over 10 years in tech is that I think it's great that, for example, me, you know, I have 10 years in tech. I want us to get better about reaching out and like mentoring and sponsoring yeah. and recognizing talent that is, you know, not below us, but people who are more junior and younger, because I, I don't know if that's something people who are at the top actively do. No. No, I don't. I, but I also think it's hard to know where to reach out. Bixel, do you know Bixel Exchange? I don't. Bixel Exchange has an amazing mentorship program and they don't charge the recipients. I forget how they're funded, but I think they're funded by the government or something. And and um, and then they have mentors like Kim Kashani. Super coincidence. But she's in their portal along with another uh, a ton of other seasoned business people. And then they're able to mentor people. And these the mentees receive the mentorship for free. That's great. Really cool. Yeah. So Bixel Exchange. Um, I agree that that's something. It's also something we're working on within We Are LA Tech to try to establish. I like to call it silent mentorship, just kind of being a mentor in your everyday life and then 
it makes that positive impact, even though you don't know who you're impacting all the time. Yeah, I think that's what I'm more talking about. Like, I understand it's great to have kind of this structure for mentorship, but even just on a day to day basis, when you see someone struggling yeah. <laughs> or you know why they're struggling, just to get in a more open feedback and exchange loop. Totally. I completely agree. How can people connect with you? Ah, uh, well, I think you can email me and I'll give you my business email. Dun, dun, uh, you guys get the better email than I got. <laughs> uh, yeah, my business email is linhda at dataskeptic.com. Uh, you could email me. I think that's probably the best way. I'm not really on Twitter. I don't do that. And I'm on Instagram, but that's not really business. So we'll just stick to email. Sounds good. And I think one one question that I want to ask before we wrap up is podcasting. Where do you guys record? What's the flow? What's the format? What can people expect from your show? Uh, well, I would say a lot of it's kind of the interview format. But when I'm on the show, it's really more Kyle comes to the table saying like, oh, here's a basic principle. And then we kind of compare it to like an everyday life to make it more down to earth and approachable to people because uh, understanding basic stats and data science principles really shouldn't be out of reach for anyone. No, 100 percent. Plus, it's so important to know how to grow your company to know what what the data is saying. And I think sometimes I know we don't do a good enough job about that is to figure out what our data is saying every day in order to best serve our customers. So, yeah. Well, I think I think that's the whole point of data science consulting is that a lot of companies, you know, like you guys might have a lot of data. And then at some point you're like, let's do something profitable with this data. Or you think that there's a gold mine of data in there, but you just need to know where to look or what to automate. And, you know, maybe it's like a one time thing. And those are the companies that don't need a full in-house data science staff. And then they go outside and they go, oh, I need a consultant just 100%. to build this one project and then leave or maintain it once a year or so. hundred percent. Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast and being part of this LA Tech community. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, thank you for listening. And thank you, Esprit. Oh, you're welcome. If you guys want to connect further with We Are LA Tech, be sure to tweet us, Instagram, Facebook, at We Are LA Tech on all the socials. And I will talk to you guys, hear you guys, see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Yes, you can now get your We Are LA Tech tea. You've all been asking for it. Just go to wearelatech.com slash shop to be a part of the movement to make Los Angeles the top city in the world for tech. Yes, we are number three. Let's get it to number one. wearelatech.com slash shop represent. <laughs>